I'm Riley McNulty. I am a senior in advertising, and I'm um, taking JP's class for my public relations minor. Uh, and I'm Elizabeth Sayas. I'm a sophomore studying English and journalism. Um, and so a brief introduction for everyone. Lieutenant Governor Julia Stratton is, as JP said, a U of I alumna. She was a graduate of the College of Media Journalism program and then went to University of, or DuPage University College of Law, DePaul University College of Law. And um, after that, she became a representative in the Illinois State House of Representatives and has spent much of her career working for reform in our criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. So we welcome you here today, and we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to be here. Like, this is a dream. <laughs> this is a dream, so I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. So what do you remember from your time at Illinois? What were you involved in? Um, what sticks out to you about campus today? Yeah, well, um, I think that one of the first things that I remember because I just had to come on the quad. And I was here a little bit during the campaign. I stopped for a couple of different events, and you might remember President Obama being on campus. <laughs> I don't know if that was like a, made a little buzz through campus. Um, but I was here for that. But um, I'm really glad to be here in a little more relaxed setting. And being on the quad, what I remembered was that when I was here, I'm a graduate of the class of 1987, were you all even, yeah, never mind. Uh, and um, at that time, the big issue was really pushing for the university to divest from South Africa because of apartheid and really a push. And we would sit on the quad. We, would cre we created a shanty town where we would sit out to kind of rep replicate what was ha the living conditions for many people, black South Africans. And, um, and we would sit out on the quad and just protest and ask that the university would divest from South Africa. So seeing the quad reminds me of that. And saying that right now reminds me of why social justice has been such a critical part of who I am and sort of has followed me from my time here at the University of Illinois, the idea that I could lift my voice and talk about things that matter to me and how do we make life better for others. That was as important as the work that I did in the classroom around learning how to be a journalist. That's very cool. So what are your goals for social justice reform for Illinois? Well, I have a lot of them. Um, so I, you, just to kind of fill in a little bit of my bio, um, after I went to law school, I did practice at a firm for a short while, but I was also trained as a mediator, and I wanted to bring people together to do problem solving rather than fighting it out in court. So I started my own practice that was primarily focused on employment um, matters. And, um, and then I went to lead public safety for our Cook County Board President, working on reducing the populations at the Cook County Jail and the Cook County Juvenile Temporary Detention Center. Um, and then I uh, led a research center at UIC, the University of Illinois at Chicago, that trained law enforcement around the country on how to build trust with the communities that they serve. So that was sort of my background, and as a restorative justice advocate, a lot of the work that I've done throughout my career has been focused on justice. As the Lieutenant Governor, the Governor, governor Pritzker, approximately a month and a half ago, signed an executive order <clears throat> creating the first ever Justice, Equity, and Opportunity Initiative that's housed in my office and is under my leadership. And I would say the short version of what the Justice, Equity, and Opportunity Initiative is about 
It's about how do we look at justice, uh, kind of move beyond just thinking about justice in terms of policing jails and prisons to thinking about justice more comprehensively to include things such as lack of access to health care or um, housing, lack of housing or education or some of the things that we see happening in our communities that lead people to the justice system in the first place. So my goal is to look at evidence-based practices to do research to coordinate and convene all of the state agencies and departments in our state to really think about justice more broadly and how we all play a role in making sure that justice is pursued. So you were studying journalism as an undergrad and now you're Lieutenant Governor of Illinois. Can I mean, it, ha it happens, <laughs> everybody, it happens. Can you kind of walk through how it happened for you? Well, sure. I mean, I, so yes, I always thought that I was going to be a newscaster. I was in broadcast journalism, and I don't know, you know you said media journalism, so I don't know if you still have the title broadcast journalism on campus anymore. Maybe not, but my thought was that I was going to be a news anchor or a reporter, um, and I did a lot of work on campus towards that end. had great experience doing that here at the university, a fabulous program. Um, afterwards, um, I, uh, actually applied for an internship. There's a show, Chicago Tonight, that people from Chicago may be familiar with on WTTW, and I applied for an internship. They select two people, and I was the third person. And so I didn't get the internship, and I was really sad. Uh, John Calloway, I think, was the host at the time, so I really was thrilled about the opportunity to work uh, in that, in, in what was a competitive internship. Um, so I then got a job with the city of Chicago, which was um, to be a video producer. We were trying to get the city council meetings on cable, much like C-SPAN, so I was doing a lot of work around that. Um, because I accepted that job, believe it or not, the, one of the two people who got that internship with, with John Calloway stepped back and decided not to take it, and they called me and said, you can get this internship. And I'd already accepted with the city, and I took the job with the city. And you know, sometimes you can look at your life and decisions that you make and wonder how your life would have been different had you gone one way or the other. But what happened in this job with the city is that um, I had a boss who was a lawyer, and it was the Office of Cable Communications, and I never knew that having a law degree didn't mean that you had to sit in a courtroom that you could do lots of other things with a law degree, and the critical thinking skills that you develop, the analytical skills that you develop, the public speaking skills that you develop, have all served me well. So um, I didn't have lawyers in my family, really, so I didn't know what you could do with a law degree. And so I um, ended up going to law school. And I, most of the work that I've done in the 25 plus years that I've been um, a lawyer, well, actually, it's been longer than that, uh, about 20, yeah, about 25, 27 years. But most of my work has been in the area of public service. And so when people talk about how I've been elected as Lieutenant Governor, um, that's yes, and I was an elected uh, state representative and I also ran for local school council and that was my first elected office. But public service is so far beyond just being elected to office. Public service for me is just the idea that I wanted to see life better for people in communities. And one of the ways that I could do it was through my work as a mediator, through my work initially as a video producer for the city, and now my work in, in public office. 
We've been hearing a lot um, about journalists coming under fire and fake news and journalism ethics. Can you talk a little bit about the importance that maybe you learn in your education and continue to see today with, in regards to the fake news? And Well, I think that um, truth is important. And this concept that we can um, move away from what's true. Now, clearly, there's always, as you've heard the term, there's your, your perspective, your perspective, and the truth. People are going to have different opinions about matters. And that's, of course, OK. And people should be able to lift their voices about what's, what their different perspectives are. That's why we have opinions. Or that's why we editorialize. But the idea of what's true and presenting the facts of a matter is always going to be important. What I think has been really in jeopardy in my standpoint, and certainly from the political landscape, is how much um, there has been sort of this, you know, especially with the rise of social media, um, this ability to kind of take something and decide that I only want to hear one perspective, and so I'm going to focus on my truth over here, and others will focus on their truth on this side, um, without us really grappling with what the real facts are. And I think that it's really important that we um, continue to use data, continue to talk about what the actual facts are, continue to allow people to sort of not be sidetracked by sort of that spin that kind of takes it away from you know, what the issues really are. And so when I think about the issues that we work around, around social justice, um, you know, somebody can take a story and they can totally take it to a different on a different direction or a different path. Um, and, and there will be a lot of people because of social media who will buy into that path. The role of journalism to be able to help us kind of be that North Star to understand this is what's really at stake. These are the issues. We've talked to experts. We've done the research. We have the data to support it. That's always going to be important. And so we need journalists to continue to tell the truth or to tell the stories. Also to tell the stories of people whose voices are often not lifted up. Um, and how it's so important that on any of these policy issues that I think about, you know, the governor and I working on in this administration, that there are people whose stories never get told. And the role of journalism and journalists to actually lift up those voices is always also going to be important. That we can't just hear from people who are just those who are elected officials or who are people in power, whatever, however that's defined. But there are people living these, um, whatever these policy issues, they're living it out every day in their communities. And the more that we can lift it up, it can help people understand our world. And that's a critical role of journalism. Okay. Um, we're going to open up the floor to anyone who has questions. So um, in that class, uh, well, I've been reading about how you have been an advocate for uh, voting rights of inmates, um, especially at Cook County Jail. Um, and that's sort of like the hot like issue right now, or it has been becoming. So could you speak a little bit to that, and like where your background comes into play, and how your opinions were formed on this? Sure. Um, so I'll start with how my opinions were formed. and, and what she's talking about is a bill that I actually sponsored as a state representative. It was House Bill 4469. The goal of House Bill 4469 was to do two things. One, to allow uh, pretrial detainees, because you know there's jail and then there's prison. 
Jail people are being detained pre-trial, waiting for their day in court. Prison, they've been sentenced and they've been convicted. So the first part of the bill was to say that when you are being held pre-trial, you should be able to vote. Because you have not been convicted, the charges might get dropped, everything might be dismissed, you have not been convicted. So you should be able to participate as a citizen in the voting process. Um, civic engagement is important and there's no reason why people cannot vote in prison, in jail rather, but what was happening is that even though they had the right to vote, they're eligible to vote, jails were not making a process for them to be able to vote. One of the things about prisons is that a lot of people linger in prisons, not, excuse me, linger in jails, not because necessarily they're a threat to public safety, but because they can't afford the bonds that they've been given. So even if it's $300, when you have people who are living in such high rates of poverty, they couldn't come up with $300 if they called everyone they knew and brought out every credit card they potentially have. So the idea of, well, now you can't vote because you're someplace, not because you're a threat to public safety per se, but because you just are poor and you're here and we don't even know if you're, you you're gonna be convicted, that was an issue. The second aspect of the bill said that because you cannot vote while you're in prison as a convicted felon, but in Illinois, you can vote when you exit prison, but nobody knew that. And so when I would knock on doors as a state representative running for office, and I'd say to people, hey, I'd love for you to either sign my, you know, sign my petition to get on the ballot, or you know, I'd love for, to get your vote, they'd say, I can't get involved, I have, I've had some trouble. Well, what is it? Eh, well, I've been in prison. Okay, well you can vote. But there was so much misinformation that even people who worked in the system were telling people you can't vote. That's disenfranchisement. That's a whole group of people not being allowed to vote even though they are. And it's disproportionately black and brown people. So that's a problem from the equity lens. And so the bill said, let people vote in jail, figure out a process, even if it's by mail, it doesn't mean they have to leave the jail, find, there's vote by mail, and secondly, give them information when they leave. The previous administration, the governor vetoed, issued an amendatory veto of that bill so it did not go forward. We are pushing it forward now because I really do believe that this is a civil rights and human rights issue to allow people who are eligible to vote to be able to do so. I think we have time for one more question. Yep. How are you able to integrate machine learning from a teenager with some degree and apply that towards your career? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always, um, first of all, just welcoming the fact that the role of journalism to shine a light on an issue or to tell stories isn't is like sort of intricately involved, uh, engaged in what I'm doing right now. I mean, they're almost parallel. The idea that I have to shine a light on issues, I have to talk about issues, I have to get to the truth of what's happening, um, is the way that I kind of go about my role as an elected official. So I do that by talking to people. I do that by listening to people's stories. Um, you know, today I'm talking more, but uh, I hope to come back to campus and, and we'll have opportunities even later today to continue hearing from, from students and hearing from members of the administration uh, about some of the issues that might be happening on campus. And the issues doesn't mean that it's something negative necessarily, but just understanding 
the world that we live in. And I think that that's the role that I have to take as an elected official and use my bully pulpit. The fact that I have um, this opportunity to talk about issues in a way that others may pay attention to it. Uh, so I'll give you a quick example. I know we're about out of time, but I filed the first ever Women's Correctional Services Act bill to bring trauma-informed and gender-responsive services to all women that are incarcerated in Illinois. And that bill passed, it's signed into law, it's what has to happen now. It came from shining a light on women who told their stories about the levels of trauma that they had experienced in their lives and how it was a direct, con being incarcerated was a direct consequence of the, the trauma that they experienced. And so there was a woman who told me her story and she said, I was in prison and then I went to prison and then I returned back to prison. And that story about what her community was like that affected her in such a detrimental way that it led to her being incarcerated in a facility, but her community and being in her home almost felt like it was synonymous with being incarcerated. That struck me. And so shining a light on that, telling her story, repeating her story, and allowing other people to hear it, in many ways, it's the same way that I saw my role in journalism, to be able to tell the kinds of stories that can actually lead to change and bettering the lives of others.